Hello, it's Andrew Lord here and welcome back to The Blueprint, episode 22. And we're joining back up again with two gurus in the education and communication space, Lee Hancock and Jason Knight. Now, these are two really smart guys who last episode, and if you haven't heard that one, you need to go back and listen to that one first because they unpacked for us um, the fundamental role of well-being for students and how important that is in our education system. They shared more about how teachers have rapidly adapted in the face of the, the challenge that we're facing with COVID-19. And then we also unpacked what education can learn from business, uh, especially the way technology can be used to transform the learning experience. There was also a free download with that episode. It was Lee's top 10 apps. Now, remember, this is a guy who is the leader of innovation and digital learning at St. Paul's College. He's also the 2020 winner of the New South Wales Premier's Teachers Award, uh, and he's sharing his top 10 apps that have been useful for him and all the teachers that he works with. And so uh, at the end of episode 21, we just started scratching the surface about, you know, what could we do? You know, what strategies could we use moving forward into the future? And so that's where we're going to pick up again. We're going to jump right back into that conversation right now. All right. So um, just talking there about um, the role of teachers shifting from not just a deliverer of information, but also being a mentor or a coach and someone who facilitates uh, the learning process. And I think that's one of the big shifts that we've seen uh, in, in recent years, which I think is fantastic, really. Um, and obviously, coming from a life coaching point of view, that's something that I'm really passionate about um, seeing and supporting in education as well. Um, we spoke earlier about uh, NESA and NESA being, um, you know, this, this body that determines how um, we do school. Do you think, if you guys could wave a magic wand and, um, you know, change the way that school looked, what do you think you'd like to see? Uh, yeah, I'd love to see more more collaboration with yeah, the business world because that's what we're training them for. And I think these work placements are excellent. And the problem is we don't do it often because it takes so much organisation. But where we can break down those barriers and I guess channel kids into those interests. Like I remember when I was in year 10, we did work, you know, business, whatever, workplace, whatever it was called. And I just went to like a retail store and, um, but if if I was really forced to think, like, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? You know, what what's interesting to you? What would you love to have a go at and yeah, just see what it's like, whether it be a, you know, maybe I wanted, wanted to do law for some funny reason when I was younger. And um, it took me to, um, I ended up starting to do a legal and justice degree. And I was thinking, yeah, I can do this. You know, I'll get a, I didn't get a high enough ATAR. That's another discussion later. Um, to go straight into law, so I was starting to do legal and justice studies, and I was like, I don't know about this. And this was costing me money by this time, and I went to to court as part of an assignment. And I saw this uh, third year law students folder, and I said, Oh, is that your? Um, it was about this thick, and they said, Is that your? Uh, you know, your your lecture notes. And he said, No, that's this week's readings. That's not for me. And if I could have made that decision a few years earlier, would I have less of a hex debt? And uh, I would have really got to know what the real world is like. So I think more collaboration with the business 
business world, um, looking at that these are the sorts of skills you need to develop and getting them, getting students those opportunities to do that, to mm. get a taste of what it's like um, would be excellent. And there are some schools already doing that, which is great. Um, and yeah, breaking down those barriers of the classroom um, and I'm guilty of it, you know, it's a very safe space. Usually it's just you in the class. It's even scary to have another teacher come in and observe you. So where we can break down those barriers and more interaction with the, oh, air quotes again, real world would be, uh, would be excellent. Yeah, so real world learning, yeah, that's so important. What about you, Jason? Yeah, I'm, I was pretty pleased with Lee's answer. Um, uh, mine was similar. I see a place where school, uni and business can actually be in one creative um, innovation hub. Um, so rather than government spending money on schools and then spending money on you know universities, why can't there, there be some type of a central, I don't know what the word is, but central learning station where um, a lot more innovation happens. There's a lot more uh, project-based learning. There's a lot more uh, whiteboards and idea generations so that, um, so that so even me as, a, as a essentially a solopreneur can, can work at one of these hubs or, or, or rooms um, and students that are interested in design or communication or problem solving can um, either book in a time to, to see or see uh, one of my workshops live um, themselves and be like, oh my goodness, this is, you know, I didn't know this existed or, 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 or this is horrendous. I don't want any, any part of it. So. Yeah. yeah. There's a, um, a really cool book that, that I read a while ago. It's sort of like a, a cross between a design architecture and education book. It's called The Third Teacher. And it really looks at how space and the way things are laid out can really have a big influence on learning. And, um, you know, I'm at a school where, you know, teachers are used to having the rows and it, it makes for, for easy organisation. But even the way that you arrange your space, whether it be your, your, um, your home office or whether it be your, your classroom can have a big influence on the way you, you do things. Um, a while ago, um, one of my previous schools, I, I went and bought some those glass markers and I had kids drawing on the the uh, windows and all sorts of things. And I see that at CSU. So I think, you know, getting up and moving, changing the way that you're doing things, but also thinking with um, some forethought as well, thinking, what do I want to achieve? Is it is it group work? Do I want them to be collaborating well? Thinking about your space and adapting that to, to foster that and facilitate that's important. But Talking about that idea of that innovation hub, I reckon you're going to have those big, you know, the, the four horsemen, you know, Google, Microsoft, Amazon, and whoever the fourth one is, uh, actually looking at education going, we want to have an influence on the way kids are educated because we want them to come into our workspace, our world, with um, this already instilled. So I wouldn't be surprised in the future if we start to see some Google, well, Amazon, Microsoft academies that's that's a really exciting idea and we're already seeing that in some ways that i heard uh, a few months ago where that they're already challenging the idea that the the scores or the you know their the the students marks no longer make a difference on on whether or not they can apply for a job it's more about mm. the soft skills and more about um i guess some some of that some of the work um like in my world some of their folio you know some some of their some of the yeah. stuff that they've done in the past um yeah I've got some uh, year 12s who, yeah, they're real critical thinkers. You can see it going through their brain and they think, why am I learning all this stuff? I'm just going to forget it later. And I always just say to them, look, 
if you want to change the game, you've got to first play the game. You want to, we want to change a game, you want to be in a position where you can have influence, where you can make decisions. You've got to do these things so that you can get there to make those changes, yeah. to disrupt, to change. So when you see this, and I'm thinking, you know what, I kind of agree with you, but it's a game you've got to play so that when you get to that position, you can go, hey, let's, let's change this because it's not working, yeah. um, which is hard for kids. Uh, and, you know, when I think back to my year 12, I learned so much. How much of it I remember? Very, very little. Yeah. But it's the skills that I learned. It's, you know, the ability to, uh, to communicate, to, to think critically is what I take away. And that's, that's what I try and say to my kids. Like the knowledge, the stuff, if we think back to that idea of head stuffing, it's not that important. It's what you can do with that. And I always say to them, look, it's the skill of persuasion. You want one skill? And uh, this is my little hot tip. If you can uh, be persuasive in the way that you you act and for good, you could be persuasive for bad, but let's think for good, then you will go places. Persuade people that you, you should have that job. Persuade people to give you that money to invest. Persuade people to uh, to agree with you or to, to follow your way of thinking is, is really quite powerful. And that's uh, that idea of influence that we see in the business world. Now. Yeah. Yeah. You can see a little bit of lawyerness coming out right right there. Yeah. <laughs> you brought it up before, Lee, um, just the, the concept of the ATAR, and I think it's worth mm-hmm. having the conversation around it. Like uh, At the moment, the way the school system, we talked about NESA, it is driven by that faculty um, structure that NESA uh, insists on, but also it's driven by a, an exam or a, a series of exams uh, called the HSC in New South Wales, at least called the HSC, mm. and everything that happens in the years prior, to some degree, is influenced by those. You know that two-week period that kids go through at the end of it all. Um, I had a disagreement at one stage with a head teacher. I was doing this project where kids would come up with um, uh, inspiring quotes. And they had to look at the etymology of the word. They had to uh, look at, you know, the history of the word. Um, they had to develop, uh, look at some stories of, of this particular word um, and, and how it had, you know, existed in different contexts. And they would make this um, thing out of wood. And these, um, I was teaching industrial technology or actually I was teaching design and technology. Um, but and they became bookends at the end of it and my head teacher didn't like the project because he said you know at the end of this what I need my year seven students to learn is how to do this particular joint and I said well really why do they need to know how to do that particular joint we're we're doing appropriate joints for this appropriate project and he said well if I don't teach them that in year seven then they don't learn that in year eight they don't learn this in year nine so on and so on and how am I going to have um, you know kids who are ready to do their HSC industrial technology in six years time and at the time I think the size of his industrial technology class was I think six students so he had six students um, that would that he was he was designing this whole curriculum. Like I, I had year seven students. I was, I had over 120 students that I would teach this project to over the course of the year. Um, and for me, it was all about, they learned history, they learned uh, mindset, they learned uh, the life skills of 
of what this word could mean to them and how it could impact their life. Um, and so for me, it was a much bigger picture for, for this head teacher. It was, um, it was about the HSC. So, I mean, I'm telling you all of this because that's an example of how the, the ATAR and the HSC drives education. You know, what, what can we do to change that? Mm. I think it, yeah. um, can I jump in for a second I think it's already changing in that I've seen some universities accepting um, putting out things that they're mm -hmm. accepting students on their year 11 results so um, thank you COVID for um, ruining our, our traditional model but even the process you just shared Andrew it was just about this is the way it's always been done so if they if in year 12 they need to know this joint well they have to learn it in year 7 um, and just like business, like disruption has been the word for the last four, four years. Um, this is, yeah, an ultimate time of disruption where uh, the stuff that we have always done is being uprooted. And now the question is, what is the best uh, method for uh, educating or teaching or sharing skills so that our, our students are the most equipped for life? Yeah, and you bring Sorry, up like, a good point there with um, alternate entry. Uh, I wrote a blog a little while back about um, the HSC being to uh, education what subprime mortgages were for the global financial crisis, and that is it's this overinflated um, uh, piece of real estate that it's just sooner or later someone's going to realise it does it's not as valuable as people think it is and um, the ass is going to fall out of the market. So, and I think you, you bring that up, Jason, it, it's, it's starting to, to happen now. Um, Lee, you're probably more in the education space than Jason mm. and I, but um, do you see that starting to happen a, a little bit where, where kids are, are looking at other options? Yeah, definitely. Um, we get a lot of kids who get early entry to uni and they're the kids who know what they want to do. But if I cast my mind back, when I was in Utah, I had no idea. Um, and that's hard because maybe I didn't have as much interaction with um, occupations that I was interested in. Maybe it was just a hard time in my life. And it's, uh, yeah, it's it's hard. The HSC, like I said, it's a game. You have to play it. And it's funny that um, even the most innovative of schools, you know, your big private schools, the ones that chuck lots of money at uh, innovative teaching and learning, that innovative in their learning from seven to 10, then once they hit year 11, it's all about the HSC. Yeah. Because for their marketing, if kids don't get high ATARs, mm. you know, up in the 90s, then they think their marketing is going down. And it's it's a challenging one for them because they want to be innovative, but they also want to ensure that kids are getting high ATAR. And, uh, you know, some schools can do both, but often it's, it's a game that's geared towards the the um those who are already well off those who um you know come from privilege already it's it's not geared towards those kids who when they go home don't have a, anywhere to study to spend time they don't have um, a supportive network around them which is so common and i say it you know we hear about it um, very often and that's hard for those kids um, that school is a safe place for them and where they have to play that game 
really to do well at it, go home and just review and stuff their head full of this knowledge so that they can vomit it forth on a page and then forget about it a couple of weeks later. It's, it's, it's an interesting game. But the reason it's played is because it makes things easy. Yeah. It makes university choice easy. It makes um, ranking easy where you're talking about kids developing portfolios, developing soft skills, people freak out because it's hard. It's hard to, to identify those things. Or, and, or to measure. Yes, yeah. to measure, to measure those things. And that's one thing like, um, you know, these key performance indicators, we talk about outcomes in an educational realm, but uh, often things, uh, these normal ways of doing things are done because they are easy. It's easy to produce a report that we can give a kid a letter, an A to E, and then give them a mark, a number. And that's what kids are so still so interested in, and even more so parents. They want to know what percent they got. Did they come first? How did, they, how, how, by how much did they come first? And that's, um, that's geared towards us when you get a text message in, you know, mid-December saying this is your your number you are this number yeah that you are ATAR of 76.5 which was my one which was okay but could have been better it's like it's tattooed upon you but realistically you get into uni no one talks about it no one cares mm. I haven't I don't think I've no one has asked me my ATAR in years and years and years yeah and I, I, was impressed that you, I, I was impressed that you remembered it I know I'm pretty sure that's what I got but uh <laughs> I'm just um, thinking, I'm glad no one's asked yeah. me my ATAR in years and years and years. <laughs> yes. Well, the kids talk about the, you know, the, the no number, which means I get below 30, which yeah, is right. yeah. an interesting one. Yeah. yeah. It's a game. It's a game yeah. that's played because it, things are easy. So, Lee, you brought up um, the teachers, well, our system. We, we don't want to do this sort of things because it's hard. And sometimes the reaction of teachers, you know, um, in, in this particular crisis that we're in has been, you know, oh, I don't want to do this or I haven't done this before. How, do you, how important do you think is mindset for, for teachers in just being in the teaching game, but also, you know, uh, to develop a successful education model moving forward? Yeah, um, super important. I think as teachers um, and as anyone working that you continue to learn or at least if you want to improve, you need to continue learning. And that idea of that, that catchphrase, that lifelong learner, it's not just someone working in education. It could be someone, um, in a, um, a person who's an electrical contractor. They want to improve, they want to grow their business, or well, they can continue learning. It might be they need to learn about um, growing their business, they need to learn about ways that they can do that, or they need to learn about the actual trade. Um, the same goes for teachers. If you want to continue to improve, you need to keep learning, keep reading, keep doing, keep trying, keep failing, and then keep reflecting upon that failure. It's important. So important for teachers, but important for anyone who wants to improve and to be more successful. Yeah. Jason, what advice would you give to, um, I guess, principals or, or schools in this time where, you know, you've got, expertise in communications and and thinking about different ways to deliver information um what advice would you sort of leave uh principals with to be able to impart to their teachers oh uh, yeah big question um 
I, I feel like I need to be um, some type of a crystal ball um, right, right now. But for me, I think that the biggest uh, transformation or, or goal that I have offered um, principles has been around uh, a bit like a design sprint. So a collaborative uh, brainstorming session where you bring in um, five to 10 of your, your, your key people um, and brainstorm um, some of the frustrations of, of the school, whether it is how do we market, how do we grow, whether it is um, how do we um, onboard our students from, um, you, you know, in, in, into the school, how do we, how do we set up a platform so our, um, so that we share the values of our, of our school. So yeah, the, that has probably been those workshops that I've done for schools have provided the most, um, wow, because it has changed the, uh, the, um, I guess it's changed the mindset probably of the way that they look at their school as, oh, we, we do education to be like, hang on, no, we create successful adults or we create um, learning platforms that, that, are, you know, that, that allow students to leapfrog in, in, into the future. It, it, it's, a, it's a repositioning of their, of their thinking. And once they do that and, and set upon that aha, then they're able to communicate that to parents, students, teachers, um, which will, yeah, which will be a game changer. Yeah. The one thing I like, I've been loving talking to Jason over the past few years and getting that designer's way of thinking is, yeah, this design, design thinking and um, one place I was supposed to visit last month, but I didn't end up doing it because of the COVID-19 crisis was D school at, at Stanford. Um, and this idea of the, how might we questions, and developing those and that's part of project-based learning but like yeah it's this different way of thinking it's a different way of, of learning and yes knowledge is important it's a key aspect of it but approaching it with a different mindset um is is yeah it's so important i think that's where that cross-pollination education design is really good because it's about solving problems but um, getting kids to think like a designer is pretty amazing and um yeah, uh, I really like that. I really like, would love to do more of that. And uh, it's hard um, to come up with a how might we question. Has there enough, you know, the little breadcrumbs to give you a bit of a hint of, of where you're going, but has the right, the words and information to lead your students in the right direction is, is really cool. I think it's also hard because there isn't a guaranteed result. Um, like I trust the process, but I can't guarantee a result because it, it so much depends on the openness of the, the participants I'm with and the more open and, and, uh, yeah, connected to their heart and connected to a, a, and I, and I, the ability to, um, ideate or, 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 or to come up with ideas, the more, the, yeah, the more fruitful the, the exercise is. But yeah, if, if I've done also the same exercise with financial very closed mind um, thinkers and it's, it's really hard because the, they want a result of um, will this grow my business by X percent? It's like, well, if you're only focused on money, then, then this is going to be a really hard heart opening visioning exercise. Mm. And I guess that um, reiterates that 
uh, point on mindset too. It's just, it really is an important thing. It's a foundational um, aspect of, of this design process is they have to come in believing that change is possible, believing that it's change is going to be better, not just hard for the sake of being hard, that uh, yeah. it's going to be better on the other side of it. So mindset plays a huge role there. Um, gentlemen, I just um, think we're just about at, out of time and I'd like to wrap it up here, but I just want to say thank you so much for coming on and offering your expertise. I feel like this is a topic that we could talk about for hours and hours and hours. There's just so much in it. And um, perhaps we may, we may do this uh, again some stage, but um, yeah, I just really appreciate you guys coming on and, um, uh, and thank you for, for sharing all your wisdom. Pleasure, Andrew. Yeah, I, love, I love talking to Jason about this. So it's good to, good to share with, uh, with more people. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, there's all these famous quotes about education is the most important thing that, you know, we're and learning and bettering ourselves in whatever way we can, whether it's knowing things or whether it's just being a better person and um, sharpening the sword is so good. So that's why I'm so passionate about it. So thank you for, thanks for the opportunity. And I, and I think it's also a beautiful cross blend between um, school, um, TAFE, um, university, and also um, um, business development. So yeah, combining all those uh, four in, into one call is, is an interesting arm wrestle. Mm, definitely. Yeah, we've got a lot to offer each other. All right. Thanks very much, guys. We'll talk to you very soon. And there you have it. So much good information. Two really smart guys sharing a lot of what they know about communication and about education. And, you know, for me as a life coach, I'm always thinking, you know, how can I get my listeners to take action? How can I add value to help people uh, even in a small way? And so what I've done, I've put together a document called the Education Innovation Checklist, and it compiles all the different themes and the topics that we've covered uh, and there was a lot in these two podcasts. It, it puts together all those different themes and topic, topics and uh, it'll help you as you move forward and think, you know, how can I take some action to apply some more innovation in what I do in the education space or with the young people that I work with or, or my own kids. So if you want to get the innovation checklist, then go to blueprintlifeacademy.com.au forward slash innovation list that's the education innovation checklist blueprintlifeacademy.com.au forward slash innovation list now once again this episode has been sponsored by dangerous minds and in the episode today lee said you know mindset is not just important for success in education it's also important for success in the workforce in family life it it's important for success in everything. Now, everything that you do requires mindset to be successful. So the one thing that I have learned from this podcast, talking to lots and lots of different successful people, is the value of mindset. And the Dangerous Minds course can help you with that. So if you'd like to learn more about that program, go to blueprintlifeacademy.com.au forward slash Dangerous Minds. That's blueprintlifeacademy.com.au forward slash Dangerous Minds and check that out. All right. Thanks so much for joining me here. I hope you got a lot of value out of that. I know I certainly did. We'll catch you on the next one. Bye for now.